Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 193. Uh, today, as it's the new year, or at least the first podcast of the new year, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about goals. So in my uh, latest newsletter, I did send out uh, sort of a, a quick guide to creating goals. Goals are really an interesting topic because I have, I follow, I've, over my time uh, learning Chinese and learning business and all this sort of stuff, I've, I've followed a lot of self-help people, you know, people like Tony Robbins and um, all, all sorts of uh, creators like that. Uh, Brian Tracy is one of my favorites. And uh, they often have conflicting ideas about goals, you know, so I'm not really sure what is the definitive right answer regarding making goals and setting goals and things like that. But I don't think it's cut and dry. I don't think it's black and white. I don't think it's like goals are useless or only focus on don't focus on goals or 100, if you don't have goals, you're going to fail. Or if you do have goals, you're wasting your time. I think it's somewhere in between. It depends on how you do it. So let me explain a bit more. So I think a prevailing theory that makes a ton of sense that I learned from Atomic Habits, which is a, a book that I think everyone's at least heard of now, um, is goals are essentially useless. Uh, it's nice to have goals, but having a goal doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve it. You need a process in place that makes sure that you show up every day and actually work towards that goal. And that makes sense logically for sure. But I just remember when I was um, just figuring out how to acquire Chinese and I was, I was, uh, I was, I wanted to pass the HSK six and I wanted to do it within like a year or so after figuring out the whole, you know, comprehensible input thing. Um, and I wrote down my goals every day. I don't know if I did it for an entire year. I honestly can't remember, but I had a notebook and I had 10 goals. This is a following Brian Tracy's idea, advice. And uh, I wrote down my goals in the present tense. And I did that every single day. And it did keep me on track. I don't know if that was the thing. Maybe I would have succeeded without doing that. But I felt like it really helped. And so the Brian Tracy method of goals, is it's there's a bunch of steps to it. And if you look him up on Google, you'll be able to find this I think it's like 14 steps or whatever. And we'll go through some of them today. But essentially, it's write down your goals, uh, or you, at least your you know three to five most important goals. Write them down every single day, and uh, write them down in the present tense. And I did that, and it seemed to work. But I also get it the other way. So I think the I think the, the key is I think you should have goals. I I at least have goals, uh, but they shouldn't be too far away, and they should be smart goals, uh, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T goals. Um, we'll touch on that as well in a sec. But I think it's also important to, yeah, have a daily process that you stick to. So you have, which is kind of goals as well, right? So you have your big goals, like in a year, I want to achieve X, 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 or six months, I want to achieve X. But then you have your daily goals, which I, I use in the form of a habit tracker on my phone to make sure that I complete my daily goals, which I have calculated that I need to achieve if I want to achieve my larger goals. So I think the process, quote unquote, is kind of just a, just a, a series of very, very short term goals, like daily or hourly goals that you, you set for yourself. That's basically, and eventually those become habits. And you don't need to set the goals or even keep track of them, really. But 
uh, after a while. I, I actually do, even though my goals and my habits are ingrained, I still keep track of them just because, I don't know, just my personality, I guess. I just enjoy it. So my personal opinion on the matter, not that I have tons of studies and things like that to back this up, but I think that, yeah, you should have goals. There's nothing wrong with goals. That's like your true north, your compass that keeps you in the right direction. But you still need your, you know, your supplies and you still need a map, right, um, to keep you to keep you on course in general day to day. Uh, so that would be your daily habits, I guess, your process that you've put in place to make sure you achieve that goal. Um, so let's talk about smart goals. Just have a quick review uh, of what I mentioned in this newsletter and just maybe we could by the end of this few minutes, we could set some goals for ourselves for 2023 regarding learning Chinese. So the first rule about goals is that they must be specific. This would be the S in SMART. So instead of saying something like, 2023, I'm going to become fluent in Mandarin. Okay, what is fluent? Right, fluent is a, it's a, it's a very odd word. It's a very uh, amorphous word. So something better might be yet might be um, oh I am able to use the most common one thousand Mandarin words according to a list that I actually have in a sentence upon request without really much problem right or I can have a forty five minute conversation with my Chinese language exchange partner or tutor and we don't have much barrier between us like we don't have many problems in communicating. Uh, all, all kinds of topics. So we don't have that many problems during that 45 minutes. There's no situations where we actually hit a wall. I have no idea what to do, uh, or at least I need very little help to communicate uh, on a bunch of uh, relatively basic uh, topics. That could be a much more specific goal. So instead of saying, I'm going to learn 1,000 words in three months, well, what does learn mean? Does it mean just I'm able to, uh, you know, look at the word and tell you what the definition is in English? I mean, I wouldn't go by that standard if I were you. I mean, it might be a better idea to say I'm going to create mnemonics and I'm going to review SRS flashcards with example sentences for 1,000 words in the Mandarin Blueprint Method course or whatever word list or whatever it is you're going by. And I should be able to recall them with 95% accuracy within three months. So you can actually measure all that as well, which is the next uh, part of SMART. The M in SMART is measurable. But speaking fluently or having a nice, smooth conversation, you, are, you know if you've done that. Maybe you could even uh, set yourself a goal of no more than three uh, hitting a wall moments. Like I would call a hitting a wall moment is, uh, I would say, you try and say something, but you literally don't have the tools to do it. And you give up, like, because a lot of the just a side note about speaking practice and things like that. I often force myself to use as simple language as possible, which is just a generally a good rule because it's just nice to communicate in a simple language where everyone can understand what you're saying. And you don't end up because if I was going to say something high level in Chi in Chinese, like a, a an idea in English that is quite complex with long grammar or something like that. Um, I might stumble, right? I might stumble or, or I, I'm using something that I haven't used in a while or haven't ever used. Um, and I might have too many ums and ahs and things like that. And I might need my teacher to save me, to sort of give me some cues to help me out. 
But what I, what I often do now is that instead of asking my teacher to help me, like, oh, what does that mean? How do I say this? Um, which is fine, by the way. Uh, but generally, if you want to have fluency, you don't want to, you want to be able to just communicate without too much of those situations, those hitting walls moment where you're just like, oh, help me, help me. Um, a good way is just to, oh, I'm trying to say it this way. And then you sort of just rephrase it, just say it in a different way, in a much more simple way. Uh, and there are tons of ways to say the same meaning. So imagine you're trying to get over a bridge and the bridge is broken, but there's also, you know, there's a running jump, right? There's also, you can run along the wall. Um, you can, you know, there's a ramp. You can drive, your, drive a motorbike over the ramp. Uh, you can swing on that rope over there. Like there's all these different ways of jumping over. And that's jumping over is like the idea of expressing a certain point in a certain way. You might not be able to express it perfectly exactly how you want it, but you'll get the idea across. Um, there's lots of ways to get that idea across. So that's what I'm talking about. But sometimes, you know, you're, you'll be at a level where you or you just haven't got enough practice with speaking where you're not so good at that. You just sort of fall down the hole <laughs> and you just give up. You know, like, oh, I can't say this. Can you help me out? And you figure it out together. And there's nothing wrong with that, like I said. But that's an example of a hitting the wall moment. It's like, ah, OK, fine. All right. I, I give up on trying to express this particular point. Uh, help me out and then I'll remember for next time and I'll be able to you know, do that. So you could say, all right, I'm going to measure this by saying I'm going to have a 45 minute conversation and I'm not going to have any of these moments. Uh, that would, and I'm going to do that by, you know, in six months or whatever. You write down a specific date. So the next thing about smart goals is the A. So we've got specific, we've got measurable, and then we've got the A, which is attainable. So can you actually reach this particular goal uh, within the time frame that you've set? Uh, and with the resources you have available. And you've got to think realistically about what sort of life you have, right? And can you make any sacrifices, if not, right, to make it realistic? Uh, so learning a thousand words to that level, like being, like actually being able to use them in conversation, a thousand words in three months, if you only have like an hour a day, it's probably not too realistic, although you, it's certainly possible for some people, I'm sure, with the right techniques, like mnemonics and SRS flashcards, if you're learning those words uh, from uh, TV and movies and things like that, like using tools to create flashcards, like using immersion that way, that's for sure doable. If you're using the Mandarin Blueprint Method course, then I, that's definitely doable, I think, uh, because it's all, you're, all the words you learn in our course are based on characters you know, and there's just ready-made flashcards for you. So we've had people in like three months finish the entire curriculum of like 3,000 characters and 10,000 words and stuff. But I don't know if they've mastered all of those 10,000 words, but they've definitely got to the end, at least of the characters. So I think that it's definitely doable with our course um, and it's probably doable outside the course as well. But it depends on what standard you're what, what standard you're using to measure yourself. Actively and easily use those words in conversation um, might be tough, but definitely passive knowledge of those words, be able to understand them, that's definitely doable, right? So you've got to just, you're not, this won't always, and it's good to sort of push the limits of what's attainable to push yourself further and further. Uh, but just have a think about it before you set, set goals. So for example, yeah, I think a thousand words is doable. Um, have a fluent conversation, like fluent, as in no, no hitting walls or very, very, very few instances of hitting walls uh, in a conversation uh, within X amount of months. You know, you decide based on where you are now and what uh, it, it's kind of a it's a tough one with fluency. Like it's, I shouldn't probably have picked that as an example. It's like a super tough one. Um, 
because a lot of people it's a mental game as well it's like I, I can't imagine myself doing it even though it's completely it might be completely possible so um, but something like improving my Chinese pronunciation uh, I want to uh, master the DTC sound and I want to not make any more mistakes with that I'm, I'm at the approval of my teacher my tutor um, uh, which will be measurable and of course that's attainable it's doable within like a few weeks with you know a bit of time and effort each day on your pronunciation like doing some drills so the r when it comes to um, smart goals is relevant okay some people call this realistic it's actually relevant i believe relevancy comes down to the difference between goals and objectives and according to my understanding goals are what you actually want to achieve and your objectives are the actionable steps you take in order to achieve that goal. So if your goal is to, um, you know, well, we said it, but it's got to be more specific, right? So not just learn a thousand words, but your, my goal is to be able to use these 1,000 words in conversation by August or whatever. But maybe your method for learning those words is not actually effective. It's not actually going to lead to that conclusion. It's not actually going to lead to being able to use them in conversation. Like, for example how I used to learn uh, words. I used memorize.com and I would just look at flashcards and look at the Chinese and then flip it on the other side and look at the, the English definition. That was me learning words. So if my goal is to be able to use those thousands of words in conversation by X time, that objective, that action is not relevant. It's not actually going to lead to that success. It's not going to lead to me reaching that goal. It's just not all right. Um, what I need to do is first learn characters and, and understand the words in terms of visually reading them and get tons of comprehensible input, see the words in context of sentences, lots, like daily, immerse in them on the, in the background passively. Uh, you, and you can do all this, again, by using our course, the Mandarin Movement Method curriculum, where we, you, when you unlock words, you get... Every, you get at least one, often multiple, example sentences with high-quality male and female studio-quality audio uh, in flashcards um, for every single usage of every single word that you unlock. So you will not only see them in... Uh, and, and it's completely comprehensible sentences as well. Uh, so you'll be able to get that comprehensible input and you'll be able to download the, the audio in immersion packs is what we call them, download them and passively listen to them, shadow them, which means you're just repeating after your, after the audio. Um, and then if you add on to that, like with tons of that, as well as like just generally consuming Chinese content uh, and also practicing, uh, so maybe even specifically asking your tutor to help you practice these, these words um, and just having conversation to try and throw as many of these words in, that would be relevant, right? That is a relevant uh aspect of that goal now so that's a, that's a relevant objective rather so that would be relevant and then of course timed that's the final one which we've kind of mentioned a million a million times by now which is just have a date that it needs to be achieved by and then yeah that's it so those those are pretty uh sort of straightforward so for example some goals for me uh, i've got uh, several goals and some are not related to chinese specifically but a goal of mine is to have uh, 50 hours of speaking practice, like actual, not 50 lessons in terms of 50 hours of actual lesson time, but 50 hours of actual speaking to a tutor or a language exchange partner 
or a Chinese person just in general um, by June, right? That's what I would like. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. So I've got like lots of 45 minute lessons purchased already on italki. And I'm kind of I've got I'm gonna try and stick to a schedule so that I have 50 of those lessons, at least 50 of those lessons within the next six months. And you know, because it's just something that I've always been uh, bad about is just organizing speaking practice. You know, it's e I, I always do stuff that I really enjoy that's more easy for me, just watching YouTube videos in Chinese, like immersing and stuff, having having conversations with my wife every now and then in Chinese and just stuff like that. But it's not enough. Right? I want to improve my speaking. So uh, that's something that I've decided to go with. Now, that's specific. It's measurable. It's definitely attainable. Um, it's also relevant. Uh, you know, so I like speak because my goal really is to speak better Chinese, right? So it's definitely uh, it's definitely relevant. And of course, it's timed. Choose one goal at least. I recommend maybe try and choose a few, uh, and don't worry about absolutely reaching them. All right, don't worry about like, oh, if I don't reach it by June, then I failed, and then I'll just not bother with goals ever again. No, you assess yourself and say where where did I get to. Okay, well, I got to, I got, I aimed for 50 hours, I got 25. All right, so, okay, well, I'm just going to change my goal, readjust, and by September, I'm going to push myself and get those remaining 25 hours in. Okay, uh, just sort of readjust, because it's just a guess at the end of the day, like how much you give you, how much time you give yourself, it's just a guess. Uh, and I would recommend, I'm probably not going to do this myself, so I'm not going to say if you don't, <laughs> I'm not going to be a hypocrite here, but I would recommend you try the whole writing down your goals thing and do it in the present tense. Um, I might just write down my goals and have them on my whiteboard in the corner of my whiteboard. It's just there, just so it's visible every day when I'm, I'm working. Uh, so I would suggest maybe do something similar, have them there or have a notebook that you carry around with you, have them on your phone as like the wallpaper or uh, something like that, you know, just think of a way to remind yourself of your compass, your true north, um, whether that means just sticking them somewhere or actually writing them down and do it in the present tense. So for example, um, so you'd say like, I would say, for example, by June the 1st, I have had, <laughs> so present perfect, I have had 50 hours of speaking practice with um, my tutors, or just generally speaking practice, I guess it's the same, right? But tutors, is tends they tend to push you uh, a bit more. So uh, also the reason why I want to push speaking practice a lot more this year is because I would like to do a lot more research and and, and uh, put a lot more time in to help us create uh, the upcoming speaking course, which I want to do, which I'm gonna, we're going to aim also to have out by 2023, at the end of 2023. So go ahead and try that out and let me know in the comments how that goes and meanwhile let's get into today's comments not many comments this uh this week at least not any comments that were sort of podcast shareable because uh a lot of them were questions that we addressed several times before i didn't want to repeat myself too much but we've got an awesome comment from theodore i believe that's how you say it <laughs> probably not on uh, the end of phase five so this is the end of the beginner course by this point theodore has got uh, 80% of coverage of Chinese by frequency. So this is obviously amazing progress. Well done to Theodore. And he just uh, left this really nice comment at the end, uh, which we, of course, love to see and we like to share as well because it motivates other members and potential members watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. 
The foundation course is finally complete. I really sped through phase five, completing it in 11 days. That's amazing. That's a bunch of characters and words there. But I like to think that I simply caught up with myself after my six month hiatus. I cannot express how happy I am that I found you guys. Well, thanks very much. One year ago, I looked around the internet after ways to learn Mandarin. But everyone was telling me to focus on pinyin first before characters. As to how to later learn the characters was a bit of a mystery. Yeah, that's a common issue I remember. That wouldn't work for me. The whole reason I wanted to learn Mandarin was because of the characters. I couldn't wrap my head around how millions and millions of people are able to learn them. And they even learn thousands of them just to be literate. How is that even possible? But look at me now. I'm doing it. I just read through a fairy tale with no problems. There is still a long way to go, but I can finally see how amazing the brain is. It is amazing at recognizing patterns. And given just a little bit of help using loci, you can learn this stuff really quickly. So loci, if you aren't aware, which most of you probably aren't, why would you be, uh, uh, is the name for the objects you use in memory palaces. So like, for example, uh, a lamp represents guang, the character guang or, or the component guang. You, you think of a lamp, right? And that real object, or, you know, imagined real object in your mind is called a loci, something that represents other, something else. Um, which is how memory palaces work. So he continues, after my break, I have also discovered that immersion has started to get way easier. That's so cool to hear. I love that. I'm currently watching videos from the YouTube channel Comprehensible Chinese. I haven't heard of that one. Sounds good. And they almost feel easy. <laughs> Question mark, exclamation mark. Easy? It is now way more fun to immerse. I also found the podcast Tea Time Chinese. It's a bit harder to follow along, but with transcripts and dictionary lookup using Link, it's manageable. Great, yeah. Love Link, and I love anything that provides high quality, uh, you know, graded content or just immersion content for learners is always fine by me. I get gets my stamp of approval. Um, and yes, like that's the whole thing about the Mandarin Blueprint method. That's the whole reason why it works. And the whole purpose of it is to get is to make immersion more fun and more interesting faster. So without if you don't learn, so basically it's just teaching you all the characters that you need and a ton of the words you need and seeing everything in context as quickly as possible. So there's three stages to acquiring a language. Study which is what I just described, learning characters, basically building the foundation, learning pronunciation, getting a base vocabulary, immersion, that's like 80%, 90% of everything, that's where your results come from, and then output, which is like speaking and writing practice, which is obviously incredible. They're all incredibly important. You can't not have any of the stages, but uh, the study stage is like the foundational step that a lot of people miss with Chinese because it's so difficult and boring to learn all those characters. Um, and it, most people never make it past that. So they just jump straight to immersion and just sort of force their way through, which is possible, but it's you're sort of lost and you feel kind of dumb for a very long time. Whereas what we do with the courses, the Mandarin Blueprint Method specifically, is that we get you through that study stage and it's done, right? You just get through it right, as quickly as possible. And you actually have a lot of fun as well. And you knock out a bunch of the immersion stage as well because there's everything, again, everything comes with. Uh, sentences, right? Uh, example sentences and lots of long form content, graded reading, graded listening to practice with. So 
yeah, I'm really I just I love I love seeing that because our goal is to get you to real Chinese immersion as soon as possible. Um, that's it. So I, I I love seeing that in action. I want to thank Luke and Phil not only for creating this platform, but also for all the motivation you have given along the way. It feels great to not only have a clear structured path to learn Mandarin, but also someone to push you along the way. See you in the intermediate course. Isn't that just beautiful? Thank you so much, uh, Theodore. And I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> probably pronouncing your name wrong. I did like two weeks of Spanish, so I'm just like showing off a little bit. Theodore. All right, that's enough of that. On to Norman. He says, uh, he just asked a quick question. Are tone change rules in place just to make sentences sound better or easier to say? Yes, <laughs> but also no, because it's just kind of like saying, it's, it's, it's cart before the horse, right? So the tone change rules aren't rules that people follow. They just naturally exist in the language because it's naturally sounds better. And then the tone change rules were sort of written after the fact, right? Just kind of how grammar rules are written after. The, the grammar rules are study of the language. The language is not study of grammar rules. You see what I mean? Uh, but yes is the answer. Like so, you can't have two third tones. Ni hao, ni hao. People don't do that. They say ni hao. Second tone, third tone. Right? They just do that naturally. That came first, and then linguists trying to teach the language then would write down, oh, there's tone sandy, and then they would describe it in a textbook and share it with students trying to learn the language. Right? So it's, it's, that came afterwards. But yes, um, and then Norman also asks. What's the difference between passive native level and active native level? So this is a lesson in the course where we talk about how many words you need to learn, right? And the difference between passive and active. So uh, passive knowledge of words, that's what I mentioned earlier. Passive knowledge of words is what you can understand, right? Which is always way more than active, what you can easily produce at the drop of a dime. Drop of a hat, drop of a dime, whatever. And your passive vocabulary apparently is even bigger, or rather the difference between your passive and active vocabulary is much bigger uh, for a second language. So you, you, there's a lot more words in a second language that you can understand, but you can't really easily produce than, uh, than that you can produce, than you can just easily produce, which is your active, right? So that's the only difference. So, um, to become fluent, quote unquote, you know, the basic fluency, you probably only need like a thousand words, really. Um, a thousand words, but you're there active, right? You can just easily use them. Maybe um, I've heard figures as high as 4,000 words for, say, B2 fluency, which is like what most polyglots and, and linguists would consider the lowest level of real fluency, right? So 4,000 words, you could just you can just use them. And at that point, you probably have like 40,000, no, probably not 40,000, that's too many. Um, but you probably have active knowledge of like 10,000 words maybe at that point. But those other 6,000, this is just a pure example. I'm just, don't, don't quote me on these numbers. I'm just giving you an example. But those 6,000 words, well, if you heard them, you'd be like, ah, you'd, I'd know what that means. And you heard them in context. You wouldn't be able to necessarily just produce them easily. And there's tons of examples for this in English, right, for your native language as well. Um, so the average passive, so the average educated native speaker, apparently, like a young educated native speaker would know like 20,000 words uh, passively. And this grows as they get older, apparently. So this is something I learned from Matt, Matt versus Japan. I'm stealing that from him. Um, 
and apparently once you every 10 years you learn another 10,000 words or something like you just pick them up you know as you use the language and consume the language um, but the average educated native person probably wouldn't be able to easily use more than like five ten thousand words you see what i mean so that's the difference so next is from ayoana and she has a simple question about how to ask how to say please in an informal way how do you say an informal please to friends i mean outside of if structures um she's this is an if lesson right but it's not to do with the question i've been only using ching so far so there's a few few ways like the, the go-to ways are mafani right so you put that at the beginning mafan is like to trouble you so tr trouble can i trouble you um so mafani and then you just add the request mafani bana right so can you like can i trouble you to pick that thing up right mafani right um right right or能帮我把那个捡起来吗？right？能帮我，或者是帮我把人捡起来可以吗？帮我。So，麻烦你，呃，可不可以？或者是可以吗？呃，能什么什么吗？啊，能帮我，或者是呃，帮我，呃，是